I guess this is uh this is the start of Plex Weather. We're doing a podcast. Uh, the internet hasn't stopped us, so we're gonna do it. Um, I'm Jason, and I'm Kim. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Washington Spirit a lot. Uh, that's what this podcast is for. Uh, <laughs> we're not going. We're gonna try to avoid the digressions that we get into. Um, that I know are that plague my life, quite frankly. Um, we've got a ton to talk about because everything is happening all at once today. Um, we've got the new kit, the world cup announcement happened, uh, earlier. It feels like it happened a few days ago. It happened like three hours ago. Um, the spirit have soccer games to play, which for most of this year wasn't apparently, you know, wasn't, wasn't completely guaranteed that that was going to happen, but they are in Utah. Um, so we've got a ton to get into. I don't want to delay it too much. Um, I guess we should also just say what this is going to be. Uh, it's, I mean, it's obviously a spirit podcast, but like what kind of podcast? Uh, I guess not a particularly formal one, not, <laughs> not, not a particularly professional one. I think this this is kind of born out of um, really born out of the, the COVID pandemic, right? Because uh, if if it was a normal year with normal games and we were going to spirit games, uh, we would be, you and you and I would be talking about the spirit face to face on a regular basis. And I think we would, uh, I don't know, psychologically felt like that need was met for us. And uh, because we haven't had that at all, uh, I guess the impetus for starting this podcast, why I really wanted to do it is uh, I miss talking to you about the spirit. So uh, we are going to talk about the spirit as if we were in Jason's car on the way from where I get off the metro to uh, the Maryland soccer plex, uh, except we're not in a car. We're in our houses. Yeah, uh, which is probably it's more comfortable, if if I'm being honest. Uh, the my air car, conditioning works a little bit better. Yeah, my, my car's air conditioning is a suggestion. And the seats... <laughs> The seats, uh, if, of all the things in that car that bear the signs of age, I feel like the seats bear the most sign of age because they just they don't really uh, feel like seats so much as just an area you can put yourself. They're not comfortable. Um, that car is, <laughs> is beat to hell. I think <laughs> the show will probably also have less 90s hip hop because we didn't want to pay for the rights. Yes, uh, definitely not. I mean, if you're a 90s hip hop act and you want to just let us use your music and your la- your label isn't screwing you over right now and not allowing you to do that get in touch uh we will we'll we'll absolutely play your music but you know your label is probably screwing you over if you're a 90s hip-hop act if we're being honest right have you noticed what's going on with uh with twitch right now where a lot of twitch streamers are getting dmca notices for like old stuff for like videos from several years ago from record labels and a lot of musicians are like you know, tweeting out or posting an Instagram, like, Hey, I'm cool with streamers using my music. Um, except a lot of their music is controlled by major, major record labels who are saying, uh, no, it is not. Okay. Right. Um, which, uh, is unfortunately, I guess how everything is now. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks. Uh, but also I guess it's not really what people came here for. (laughs) No, this is not what we're supposed to be talking about. about. Us choosing a song, be like, this is a song that we, we both enjoy. Here you go. Um, that's and that's not the really... end of the podcast. We got absolutely planked by Universal Music Group. Right. The, they just they came to our house, took all of our possessions, uh, 
And that's that's that. Uh, I guess that the, the old timey cartoon thing of like they just give you a barrel with uh, some shoulder straps and they take everything else you own. Um, <laughs> that's that's going to be us in. Lump that's what we get for three. for playing a tribe called Quest on Flex Weather. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess the the abrupt um, the abrupt pivot because I I know I'm transition. Horrific absolutely horrific at segways and also i tend to like step on other people's segways so maybe i'm just like in my bones opposed to them um we got some stuff to talk about uh the spirit put out their new kit today uh not just a new jersey but an entirely new kit um kim any any thoughts now i would like to preface this by saying that i am not a designer uh, or artist of any of any kind we've had you know, like meetings at SB Nation, we're going to plan some like big like feature package. And the the people who are actually really good at making pretty things ask me what I want it to look like. And I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I'm because I'm stupid. But so like with that in mind, um, I think the kit looks really good. I really like it. I like the, the two different like shades of blue, the hoops. Uh, it's like subtle, but I think it looks really good. I think the contrast with the shorts is really nice. And I, re- I actually really, really like the like weird trippy goalkeeper kit. Yeah. I feel like the, the goalkeeper kits are getting like pretty much universal praise. Um, I know people were excited about um, seeing them very specifically when Orlando did theirs, because a lot of people are going to be buying Ashlyn Harris kits. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I also know, you know, we, had Aubrey Bledsoe on one of the other podcasts I do, uh, Filibuster, and she was emphatic about how much she she wants short sleeve goalkeeping jerseys. Everyone that watches the Spirit knows she plays in short sleeves, and it's cool to see that the league gave that option because in MLS at least it's apparently like you have to have long sleeve because MLS does things the way they do. Um, so they gave the goalkeepers what they want, which is which is a good idea. It's it's what a novel idea to listen to the people that are going to wear the Jersey um, and give them what they want. Um, you know, for me, I, I have some like emotional baggage with the color gray um, because it, with DC United, we just kind of chased out a very unpopular incursion of gray into the, the kits. Um, that's not the spirit's fault at all. Um, so I'm trying to like put that aspect out of my mind when I evaluate it. Um, uh, is it, it really looks, gray or is it like a blue gray? It, well, that's that's another thing that came up um, when I, you know, someone asked me a question about it and they were saying, like, do you think it's black or is it blue? Because they only had only seen the, <laughs> much they, much like the famous BuzzFeed dress. It probably yeah, depends exactly. on your monitor settings. Yeah. And, you know, this this when the spirit first put out the teaser photo a while ago um, of it, this happened where there was a like is it blue with gray or is it, you know, gray with gold? And um, in speaking with um, Mason, uh, the, uh, I, I don't know Mason's official job title now. Uh, it's, I've got like a mental block. Mason's the comms person for the spirit. I believe, um, I believe it's director of communications. Yes. So, the, all right. Mason, the director of communications, he took that photo and he told me that he thought it was like a pretty straightforward photo. And then people started being like, I don't think it's blue. Um <laughs> Which, uh, which is, I, I can't blame people though, because like when, when they were started saying it, I was like, I kind of see what they mean. Um, 
but we see now that it is blue. Uh, it's blue with gray and red trim. Um, I like the red aspects of it. I like that that um, that that's built in. It's not just a blue and gray jersey. Um, I think the red shorts are really important. I think it. I think it's a better kit than it is a jersey. Like as a, a kit as a whole, I think it looks really good. Um, as a jersey, I, I kind of wish there was less gray, but it's not bad. Um, it's not the North Carolina all white uh, non entity kit that uh, the Courage put out. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not like the greatest jersey I've ever seen, but it's better than I was expecting. Cause I was really worried about this gray stripe thing going back to DC, having inexplicable gray stripes added to their kit. Um, I didn't want that again. Um, but this is, this is all right. I, I think it looks good. It looks better the more I look at it as well, which it, it's growing on me in the couple of hours that we've had to see it. Um, I did also enjoy the variety of photos the team took. It's not just everyone doing the, like, hold the badge out and you're right. Truck, and that's it. Like Paige Nielsen gets to flex. Um, and Paige Nielsen has got some fucking biceps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, as I was saying earlier, I'm pretty sure that she could lift anyone that comes to cover the team. Any one of the media <laughs> contingent, she could lift any of us over her head and heave us into the nearest river if she wanted to. I don't think she wants to. Uh, I don't want to put She's words very nice. Yeah, um, that does not seem to be something that is on her mind, but if it became the case, she could do it, I think. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, the getting some personality out there uh, is, is really cool. That It's something that I don't think, you know, a couple of years ago might not have happened. It would have been a pretty straightforward, you know, three yes. or four players, standard poses, and that's it. Instead, you know, the team made some photos available for media and it's like a massive file of photos because you know they want to promote it they want to give you different ways to promote it and not just be like well here's the three players and that's that um they did also have uh players uh running the steps at audi field running the like the steepest steps on the supporters end um if you've been to audi field if you've i walked up those steps uh one time most of the time i'm in the press box so i don't have time to actually do that I did it once and it's like, it's it extremely sucks. steep. Um, it is like a nerve wracking steepness, um, which is cool as far as getting like more fans close to the field, making it louder. But like running those steps is no joke, um, even for athletes, um, which you know, I appreciated that the team left that aspect of it in like Rose Lavelle gets to the top and is like actually like having to, to take a second to get some air in her lungs. Um, so that that's cool. I, I think, you know, it's it's a step forward that the whole kit release is a step forward from what we're used to, not just with the spirit, but like around the league, a, a lot mm -hmm. of these in the past have been like, here's our shirt. And I think everybody's getting better at it. Like sky blues today was really good too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's a sign of progress. I think all around um, we're also, you know, we've also got to bring up the fact that they have a new uh, front of Jersey sponsor uh, and it's not, you know, it's not just a small company from around the area. It's CVS. Um, it's uh, these are big, yeah, another are big, big Another big step forward. Also, uh, apologies for uh, talking positively about brands, which is ridiculously corny. But um, I think that the the red shorts and the the red accents on the side of the shirt, like kind of help the sponsor logo be less obtrusive 
Yes. Like I feel like if you had that that red heart on the logo, on the you know the sponsor portion of the jersey, and you didn't have red anywhere else, it would like it would feel out of place, or like you're just like spamming the sponsor in there. But right. it actually kind of feels like part of the shirt now. Um, so that's nice. Yeah, like it's anytime you're going to throw a a brand's logo onto a shirt, like you've got a you've we've had some hit, hits and misses. Um, we see some of these where I'm thinking of LAFC, for example, has YouTube, and YouTube's colors are not LAFC's colors, and it's it's weird. Um, it's Tom hard to have with the red AIA on their yeah. white and blue kit. Um. So so it's it can be jarring when the sponsor colors are like ingrained and they are they're like no no it has to be these colors um and your team doesn't happen to wear those colors but in the spirits case white letters with a red heart that's right up their alley um it's no problem so uh the whole thing looks you know it looks pretty good the the fact that um there's that progressive logo on the back um which is another a big sponsor. Um, and it's a big progress. I, I thought it was going to be smaller than that. Um, it's pretty big. It is pretty big. I assume that a company like progressive was like, yeah, you're going to have to like put our name on there big. It's not going to be like in a one inch space, um, that you have to get up close to read. We want people to be able to see it on TV. So it, I get it. Um, but I was in my head, I just thought, Oh, it's probably pretty small. Right. Um, it is big, but, uh, you know, this is a women's soccer team with multiple Jersey sponsors. Like this didn't used to happen. Yeah. Um, I'm, I would not oppose NWSL going full Liga Emmaquis mm-hmm. with like 15 Jersey sponsors. Um, obviously it's not the best to look at. Uh, it makes me less likely to buy the shirt and wear it to not soccer games. But if that's how, uh, if that's the best Avenue for uh, teams to make money, I am not opposed to it. Yeah, like, you know, especially this year of all years, like teams have lost. We're going to go ahead and presume all of their game day revenue is gone. Um, So if if teams are like doing well enough at this to sell jersey sponsors and keep money coming in, that's really good because that's like that's the difference between a team. You know, we're past maybe the point where a team might have gone out of business over this, Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of teams might have been furloughing all their employees, things like that. So. Um, it makes a, a huge difference uh, for for most of these clubs, especially the independents. Um, yeah, a, f- a few owners said like, "Hey, we're not we're not going to go out of business because of this, but we have zero income right now, and if we don't start on time, you know, if next season with fans in the stands, like we're going to be in trouble." Yeah, uh, and and uh, you know, just looking at this is this isn't just a spirit thing like the chicago red stars have uh meyer the grocery uh chain in the midwest that's a big sponsor um that's not just we got you know some company down the road um that has one shop or whatever um that's a big deal that's you know that's the difference between having a robust front office that can do all kinds of things uh versus having you know five people um And it shows, you know, we see that with the spirit. We see it when you look around the league right now, the teams that used to be a skeleton crew aren't anymore. And now they're able to do so much more. Sky Blue was able to do their kit drop and it was a professional video. It wasn't just someone with, you know, 16 hours of work to do and five hours to do it because they're the only person that works there. Um, It 
it's the league needs this. So as much as talking about brands doesn't appeal to either of us, uh, talking about money for these soccer teams so that they can be better and better, that that is kind of a, a it's a need. Like, it, you know, we need this for the league to succeed and for these individual teams to succeed. Yeah, this is something I was talking to uh, Yale Avery Bush about um, a while ago, like a, several years ago before the the Players Association even really got off the ground is um, at that time period, you know, 20, 2015, 2016, a lot of teams had like were really short staffed in the marketing and sales department. And she was telling me like, yeah, we want player salaries to go up, but the more important thing for the long-term health of the league is that these teams actually spend some money and invest in marketing and sales staff. Otherwise, like, the money's never going to be there to pay the players as much as they deserve to be paid. Like they need to up the revenue first. And the way to up the revenue is to invest in your marketing and sales staff. And I think that most teams along around the league and the spirit, especially finally understand that and have finally gotten serious about that. Yeah. Uh, and, and it shows it's not, it's, it's the kind of thing that you can't really hide. Um, you, you can't really work around having no marketing budget whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we've seen the difference with that uh, here. And when you look around the league, if you've been to any other NWSL team stadium, you you see the difference. You can feel the difference. Um, if you talk to their fans, they'll they'll quickly tell you like, hey, I'm not seeing, um, you know, in 2017, you weren't going to see any advertising for just about anyone in the league outside of, you know, Portland probably had some and uh, Orlando and Houston maybe had like some signage on the stadium itself. And that was about it. Um, so yeah, this changes things a lot. Um, it's a, it's a big sign of just the league being healthier than it used to be in a way that it's happened fast. Um, but I think it's happened fast because it's a strategic thing. I don't think it's just about the league being healthy. mm -hmm. I think it's that the, the couple owners who are really smart and got it, like got this across to the, the other ownership groups across the league that like, Hey, you can't just wait for us to bring in big national sponsors because the fact is this is a nine team league. And if we Mm -hmm. go pitch a big national sponsor, they're going to say like, Hey, this is a good pitch. You have a good product, but you're in nine markets. We're not going to pay you like, like we pay leagues that are in 30 markets because you're not there. Um, So it made more sense for teams to focus on local sales and to count on that to be a bigger revenue stream than national sponsorships at least until the league gets to you know where it's where it expects to be in five years with around 16 teams um the local sponsorship business has to come before the national sponsorship business yeah definitely um and and, you know with the spirit we see that too you know the uh sleeve sponsor uh is sandy spring bank but that's a local bank um WAGS is a local uh, organization. So, um, you know, we saw that come up a lot last year as well when uh, it seemed like every other week uh, I was getting uh, a new sponsor email, uh, whether it was, you know, game day advertising or new vendors at the Plex or this, that, and the third. It was was something. It was always something new. Um, And it's, it's huge. It's huge. It's probably, you know, when you think of, the last couple of years, if that doesn't happen last year, where's this organization 
with the world going to hell this year. Um, <laughs> you know, so it, it ended up being even more important than we might have thought because uh, getting getting some money in the bank ended up being a, a very big deal because 2020, it turns out, is terrible. Yeah, like obviously Steve has some money and he's willing to spend it. But if they don't get those sponsors, you'd have to imagine that quite a few employees get furloughed. And uh, yeah. thankfully, the Spirit have, have you know not had to do that to the extent that most of the teams in the league have. Right. Um but I guess I guess that, that that covers the jersey, right? I don't I don't know if I have any other deep yeah, we've, thoughts. We've talked way more about brands than I wanted to. Yeah. Uh we're sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry for the brand talk. Let's talk about soccer. Um the spirit have a game. We're like less than we're a little over 72 hours away from it, I guess. No, under. It's Thursday. I forgot it was Thursday. Um the Challenge Cup uh kicks off Saturday. Um, the Spirit are playing in the second game. Uh, they will. They were set to have uh, a fairly inviting schedule if, you know, it's all guesswork because we don't know anything about any team because no one's gotten to play any games. Um, but I feel like it's fair to say the schedule got harder when uh, Orlando dropped out and everything reshuffled. Yeah, but the schedule got harder for a lot of people because um... – Orlando is one of the teams that I think was widely expected to finish in the bottom, uh, let's say bottom two, maybe mm-hmm. bottom three, if you're really optimistic about their their offseason signings. Um, so the the Spirit are not the only team that were affected by that and that are now playing a harder schedule. Yeah, and, and you know, certainly if you talk, if, you know, we will eventually be getting players and coaches on here, I'm sure. Um, but I think it's fair for us to... Uh, go out on a limb and say that I don't think anyone in the organization is like, Oh no, we have to play Chicago instead of uh, uh, the rain. Um, they are probably like, that's fine. We'll, we'll play anyone. We don't care. Um, this is, this is an organization that now kind of looks forward to playing the courage rather than being like, ah, oh, the courage are on the schedule. That's bad news. Right. And I think that especially given the format of the tournament, it's, I think beneficial to test yourself early, even if it might negatively impact your seed, everybody makes the quarterfinals. So I'd rather play a good team in the first game and know what I had to get better at and what I had to change than face a team of that caliber for the first time in the quarterfinal. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, You know, North Carolina, especially, um, and that's now the spirit second game. They're going to expose what, whatever you're doing badly, they're going to expose you on it. Um, that's the nature of that team. Um, so, you know, the spirit are probably, it's not going to be a major reinvention or anything. We're not going to see Richie Burke ditch last year's style of play for something else this year. Um, but you know, whatever they've got to work on, whatever needs to be honed right now, we're going to find out pretty quickly because you know, Chicago, maybe not as good as last year, but certainly still a good team. Uh, the courage or the courage. The um, courage got better, by the way. I'm so mad. Yeah, it's unreal. Um, it's unreal that they are like, oh, yeah, we we brought in Haley Mace and <laughs> we brought in I all these other all players. other coaches and GMs for allowing this. <laughs> they got Haley Mace. They drafted Ali Watt. They got Addison Merrick, who I think is already a pro quality defender in the fourth round um that Haley Harbison is a really good player who tore her ACL in preseason last year and didn't get to play um 
you know, so they they don't have Merritt Mathias because she's recovering, but they got Harbison back, who I think is basically the same quality of player, even if she doesn't have any pro experience yet. Um, they're they're outrageous. Um, yeah. They have they have by far the best team in the league. The the gap between them and second place, in my opinion, is large. Yeah, I think I think I was telling. Um, I can't remember if I said it on a different podcast or just in passing with talking to people because I can't remember how time works anymore. Um, but I I was saying that it's like to my mind, like you can separate the league for this, especially for the Challenge Cup, into two pools, and it's North Carolina and everyone else, mm-hmm. um, because the Courage have such a clearly defined team culture, style of play, formation, everything. Um, they didn't have much turnover and what turnover they had, they were prepared for. Um, it's, it really is, uh, I mean, it, it really is just sheer dominance, uh, on and off the field from them. Um, you know, I think when I think about, you know, teams that have had a prolonged amount of just bossing their league, um, I think the current uh, version of the courage. The only peer they've got in American soccer history is DC United in the nineties. Um, and I say that as someone that treats that era as like possibly the best era in, in human history. Um, so that, I mean, they are, they're really that good though. Um, it's, it's pretty outrageous. Um, and it's, and it's difficult to see, like if it, regardless of if you, if you think the, the red stars or, uh, the thorns or rain or spirit are the second best team. I think they all have a they all have an argument. Like what players would any of those teams have to add to get mm-hmm. to the courage's level? In any instance, it's like four absolutely world class players. Yeah. Like I mean the, the courage I think the the way I would sum up the courage it, just to pull one example out of thin air is that this is a team with two of the best number 10s on the planet, both playing for them, um, both playing playing in like perfect roles for how they play the game with with Dunn and Dabinia. Um, that's by itself, that's ridiculous. Like you could give them a completely average replacement level lineup around those two, and they'd still make the playoffs just on the basis of having those two players in those spots. And then they also have like the best center back pairing in the league, and uh, outstanding goal scoring. Kristen Hamilton doesn't even start for them most of the yeah, time. Yeah, right. Kristen Hamilton is done in Davinia's backup, and she's like fringe women's national team quality. Yeah, um, they they're absurd. Uh, so that's that's great. Um, that's you know, un- unfortunately for the rest of the league, I, I feel like it's sort of passe to even ask someone who do you think is going to win the Challenge Cup because I feel like every answer that isn't just someone you know, trying to be different is going to be like, look, honestly, intellectually, I can't not pick the courage. Right. Um, but, you know, uh, the spirit, uh, as you found out, uh, talking to Richie Burke in another extremely abrupt uh, <laughs> uh, uh, change of topic, um, you found out talking to Richie Burke that uh, there's a chance we're talking about a different formation, not a different style of play, but a different formation. Right. Like, I think that, no matter what formation they play in, the Spirit are going to try to be one of the most possession-oriented teams in the league. And, like, the numbers show that out. It's not just, you know, Richie doing the the typical coach PR thing where he's like, yeah, we want to play beautiful football, like every every coach on the planet <laughs> says. Um, 
the the stats actually kind of bear that out that they do they are the most possession oriented team in the league um but yeah it sounds like he at least wants to to try out a back three formation and i think a big part of that is that he wants tory Huster on the field whatever way he can get her on the field that makes sense just because of how much he values her intelligence and leadership qualities even if she's at this point in her career you know struggling a little bit to manage her you know, the injury she's had in the past and maybe is not the the athlete that she used to be. He wants to find a way to get her on the field. And the best way to get her on the field um, and kind of extend her career is probably in the middle of a back three with with Staub and Nielsen uh, around her doing the, the more active stuff. And Houston can just kind of uh, sit in the middle of that back three. Yeah, you know, her, you know, be, being a... a a reader of the game, being a communicator in that role, uh, helping organize, you know, la- last year, a lot of their organization came from Bledsoe and Sullivan. Um, and if you add, if you bring, cause it's tough to organize when you're out on the wing. Right. Um, you know, it's just tough to yell across a field when you're surrounded by thousands of fans to yell to the other side, you know, to try and tell the left winger something that you've noticed. You can't really do that from right back very effectively. Um, getting one more, you know, that really the team's leadership anyway, um, that those are the, you know, if you talk to anyone with the spirit, Andy Sullivan wears the armband, but they always go out of their way to make sure that they refer to Bledsoe and Houston as co-captains. Um, and that's not just a ceremonial thing. They really, it really is important um, from a, you know, leadership team culture standpoint, but also from a on the field in games, um, getting organized for specific threats and and noticing things in the game. Um, so having that, that trio as the spine of your team or the, or part of the spine of your team, um, it, it's a really interesting idea. I think it, it has a lot going for it. I also think, um, you know, Houston, her career playing defensive midfield before last year's move backwards means that you can very easily cycle that formation from, you know, or in moments, you know, if she steps high to read something, um, the wingbacks can come back and you've very briefly, you've got a more of a traditional diamond, um, which the spirit are probably also going to use a diamond at some point during this tournament. Um, so you can, you can very easily flex between this, this formation, this three, five, two, and, and, uh, the diamond that we saw a lot last year. I did, um, last year, I, I think the first time they, they deployed this formation, I asked Richie, uh, about it and I, I called it a diamond and he was like, well, it's more of a four, three, three with a false nine. And then later he was like, ah, I, I kind of see what you're saying with this diamond. Um, but but I think that was more of a semantics thing to try and get. I think he wants that 10 role to be a goal scoring role. He doesn't just want it to be someone that's a playmaker only. He wants whoever's in that position. And, um, you know, I'll let you talk about that more because I know you got Richie on the hook uh, about this, that it it's not necessarily going to be Rose Lavelle in that spot. It might be her behind Jordan DiBiase. Right, and this is a this is an argument that uh, Michael Cayley, uh has made frequently. I don't know if how many of our listeners are familiar with him. Um, he's done a lot of uh, freelance like stats analysis stuff for a lot of different places. Uh, I think Five Thirty Eight is probably where he's done most of his uh, work or most prominent work. But he kind of he made the argument based on Lavelle stats, both in NWSL and for the national team, that like. Yeah, she's got the playmaking qualities of a ten, but she's an she's an eight in her, you know, in the defensive work that she does. 
the the pressing, the ball winning, like she's a complete midfielder. She's not just a tricky playmaker. Um, and Jordan DiBiase is not yet to the point where that's a good part of her game. Like she's extremely talented and she's, and she works hard enough that you think that over time she can add that to her game, but her defensive positioning right now isn't good enough to play her. Um, especially if you're playing just a, a two woman center, like she, her defensive positioning isn't good enough to do that. And Lavelle's is. Um, so I think that's, of the the impetus for it um and it makes sense to me i also think a like a a thing that i really like about the the back three concept is that it lets andy sullivan have a little more freedom to to do what she wants because this is something that richie was adamant about last season is like you know we don't just see her as a as a holding midfielder as like a pier six like she can do so many things that i want her to you know, dribble forward and try to score goals if that's what she sees in front of her. If she sees the space and she thinks she can make a play, I want her to try to make a play. And that's great. But if you're playing the way the Spirit were last year um, and you're, you know, you're playing with with just two center backs um, and your defensive midfielder plays like that, you're going to leave big spaces open behind. Um, So if you're playing with three center backs, I think it frees up Andy Sullivan to do more of that stuff, which is probably going to be good for the team. Yeah, and I know last year um, with, with Sullivan, there were there were quite a few games, maybe five or six times, where um, they were sort of you know you're you're kind of it's it's a tough thing to determine. Um, is she more important playing deep, or is it better to get her further forward? Um, I'm thinking of the three-two win at Sky Blue uh, fairly early in last season, where instead of playing her deep. Uh, they actually played uh, Maggie Doherty Howard there and played Sullivan on the right side of the diamond. And the idea was not, it, it was partially for an attacking uh, reason, but it was also because Sullivan's faster than MDH. So she could get out wide and help defend against Imani Dorsey on the overlap coming from left back in that game. Um, so it, it's not just about the attacking aspect. It's also... Um, where do you want that mobility? Because you know we think of Sullivan as a player who controls the tempo and organizes and, you know, is really important with team shape, but she also happens to be a really gifted athlete and central midfielders that can cover that ground more quickly than other people, other people, um, or more quickly than average, I should say. Um, they tend to be really big impact in the game because that now you're turning uh, other teams smooth buildups into 50 fifties and you're making it hard for them to actually play through the middle because that split second they would have used for a one touch pass through there that it's gone because that player is there two steps faster. Um, so freeing her up, ha- having that ability to, to not just stay home all the time. Um, it could be really big. And, and that also goes into that dynamic between her and Houston. Um, or, you know, if somebody else in the back three steps out, certainly Paige Nielsen um, had last year at least had a lot of freedom to step out ahead of the defense and diffuse things in between the lines um, because she's another one that covers ground faster than than average. And and that suits her to a T. She wants to get in those tackles. That's, uh, you know, I feel, I feel like she comes to life when there's a tackle to be made. So um, mm-hmm. having that uh additional aspect there that additional positional freedom somewhere in the middle um 
it's going to make them better, I think, in both directions. At least, you know, on paper, we're going to see it's a tough thing to to pull off because they're not getting four preseason games to work out the kinks. They're getting tossed into a real competitive game straight away. Yeah, and one thing I want to add is I, I, I think it's necessary for them to have one of Sullivan being like the stay-at-home six or... Houston being in the center of this back three, whatever, whatever formation they play. I think they need one of those two things because uh, I think it really hurts their like buildup play when they, when they don't given the way that they try to play. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if they, if they wanted to switch up the tactics to, you know, have Stav and Nielsen mostly launch, launch long balls, then fair enough. But, um, and, and Stav does play a lot of long balls, but the the spirit are usually pretty deliberate in their you know and trying to trying to pass it out from the back um, instead of playing it long and I think that requires somebody like Sullivan or Huster to be like the the shot caller or the person mm-hmm. who's directing that um, you know figuring out how the the opponent is is pressing them where the gaps are and how they need to to play in order to break that press. And I think that, uh, I think that Maggie Doherty Howard is a really good player, but I think she's a much better player further forward. And I don't think she's at a point in her career where she is up to being that like traffic cop in the middle of, of that buildup play. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I, and I agree. Uh, you know, one thing that's, that's cool about the spirit um, having, especially having Stobbs passing ability, since you brought that up is if a team wants to play a high line, but they don't successfully put that first line of pressure in, um, there's always that green light for Staub and and Ashley Hatch if they stay on the same page, um, where Staub can release Hatch running in behind pretty easily. If if a team steps high, but they don't get pressure on the ball, they're they're going to pay for it. Um, and so you you sort of force them, you know, you're you're kind of forcing teams to make that. Um, choice they they can't do the in-between they've got to either commit to pressing or they've got to drop off um which is something that is you know really it's it's a nice weapon to have because you know a team that wants to play the slow build-up they can get really predict uh, predictable if you don't have that option to open a team up all of a sudden um and the spirit have that and i'm sure they're going to be looking for it and you know playing the back three it might even free up uh stop to play that pass more often um you know, we'll see how, you know, North Carolina is probably going to um, be able to press that pretty well. That's part of what they do great. Um, but other teams, you know, Chicago, they're very much in transition. It's hard to even figure out who they're going to be putting on the field um, at this point. You know, they might find themselves a little thrown off by that, by like, do we just stay back? Um, because then the spirit can pick you apart with the, the passing game. Or do we try and step high and risk possibly getting it wrong once and all of a sudden um, Hatch or or one of the other forwards is in behind. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everybody plays given um, that I don't think everyone's going to be up to full fitness. Like mm. any, there, there might've been coaches who were thinking like with the benefit of a full preseason, they wanted to be more of a high press team than they were last season. And um, the the circumstances of the the short uh, preseason and having no preseason games leading into the tournament is probably going to screw some of those plans. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're going to see some weird. Uh, I mean, we're NWSL fans are used to seeing weird games, um, 
but we're going to see some really weird stuff in, in these, especially this first couple of days. Like Courage Thorns, I have a, a pretty clear image how that's going to play out because the courage of the courage. Um, but after that, Red we might see... <laughs> yeah. Red Stars are going to play a lineup nobody's ever seen before. Exactly. Um, and that, you know, and that might be an advantage for them. Um, that I, I'm sure that Rory Dames is looking at that and saying, okay, that's a that's a big plus for us that everyone is like, how is this going to, how, how are you going to put this group on the field? How is this going to work? Um, because well, except I, the, the problem is um, he doesn't, so so Tiernan Davidson and Daniel Coaprico are both yeah. injured. Um, they're both on the roster. They both traveled. They'll both play in the knockouts, but they're not going to start this first game against the Spirit. They're probably not going to dress for it. Mm-hmm. And um, I Chicago's options to fill those spots are not ideal. Yeah, you and I were talking about this. Uh, you and I, I was trying to work out my own preview for for Black and Red United, and um, I talked to you about it. I talked to Claire Watkins from Southside Trap about it, and in both cases, it's kind of like you you start to fit the pieces together, and then you run into something where you're like, oh, how's that supposed to work? Um, and it just kept right. coming up. No matter how you shuffled the pieces, you ended up one or two short right there's always there's always one spot however you try to shuffle the lineup there's one spot where you're like they either have to play somebody dramatically out of position or they have to play somebody with zero nwsl minutes and those are their only two options right and and, you know most likely the the vibe around chicago is that it seems like they're going to lean towards the giving the inexperienced players their shot um but we'll see i mean this is they are one of the most fascinating teams right now because they're there's a lot of talent there, but there's also like they are in major transition. They lost Sam Kerr. There's no replacing Sam Kerr. You you literally the only way you could replace Sam Kerr is to get her to come back. I um, actually buy Richie's ex or not Richie um Rory's explanation about why how they can improve despite losing Sam Kerr. It sounds insane. Mm-hmm. I actually think he's right that. You know, if you have Sam Kerr, you kind of have to play a certain way. Yeah. Like you're not making use of her unless you play a, a fairly like mid to low block. Don't really press. Try to bait the opponent forward and then have like space to play her into on the counter. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're trying to play like a possession game where you you your your line is pretty high up the field, your back line and your line of confrontation. Um, and then you don't really have any space to play in Kerr behind. Like you're not, you're kind of wasting her, right? Mm-hmm. And they also didn't have any wingers on the roster. Um, now they have four good, healthy wingers. Um, so they're going to play two of them at a time. Um, and they're going to play dramatically differently. And having those players not just gives them more options in attack, it gives them more options in how to set up their whole their whole team, um, whether they want to to press or not. Um, how high they want to play their defensive line. They can change all of that if they want to. Yeah, they're 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 in an interesting place, and I think that's the right attitude for them to take. Um, rather than than saying, you know, you when you talk about a team and they lose a player of that caliber, it's very easy for them to be like, uh, what are we gonna do? Um and they'll put on a brave face talking about it publicly, but ultimately it becomes really difficult to once you go down that path, it becomes really difficult to get out of it. Um, and so Chicago's probably got the right attitude of saying, like, we need to find uh, a different way and, and maybe a more diverse way of playing, uh, give ourselves more options than than last year's way of playing, which, you know, it worked really well for them. But it was also, you know, it's pretty direct. Um, I think 
if you take away the spectacular nature of the Kerr-Nagasato partnership, I think Chicago wasn't particularly fun to watch a lot of times if you if you took that off the table. No um, slog. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the downside is that they might default back to that um, for this tournament because, quite frankly... I don't think the they tur- will. But, I mean, I, I think that they're going to try not to, but this tournament is going to award slog play uh, to a certain extent, I feel like. I also um, think, but I think Rory is more thinking about how do I win a championship in 2021 than he is how do I win this tournament. Oh yeah, I yeah. think he he and and I think there are really different opinions about that in this tournament. I think if you ask Richie, he'll say we want to win the tournament. We're thinking yeah. about winning the tournament, and our lineup selections and tactics and all of that is going to be about how do we get results right now. Um, I think North Carolina's the same thing, and I think uh, I think Houston's the same thing with mm-hmm. with how much they've struggled recently and how much I think they improved their lineup this season. Like Houston wants to get instant results, um, and I would say the other uh, the other five teams are a little more like, hey, we're going to try to establish a new style of play. We're going to play some kids. If we lose some games, that's okay. We're we're trying to get better for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think you know we. Sh- as much as there's been a is a vibe around the league, it feels like people are sort of downplaying the importance of the tournament. But like for the spirit, especially um, this is a team that has one playoff win ever. Um, and as much as they've tried to change the style of play, uh, the spirit have also been trying to change the internal culture and make it a winning culture. And, you know, there's no better way to do that than to start, you know, by winning the the thing that you're allowed to win this year, which is the Challenge Cup. There's nothing, yeah. nothing else to win, so you might as well go try and win this. Um, and I, I think it's it's going to be very important for them um, to at least get close. Um, if if this thing ends with a quarterfinal loss um, or just a bad performance in the preliminary round, and and you know, ending up playing the courage in the the you know the quarterfinal. That would be a big disappointment. Um, I I think it would be a blow as well to the team's culture because I think they really, really felt like, you know, last season started well and in the middle of the season uh, they kind of hit a wall, but they, they, they ended fairly well. They beat North Carolina. They, you know, they have that proof of concept uh, in their minds. Um, They got the crowds going. They had some momentum or as an organization, um, and, you know, the circumstances have now left them with a pretty awkward thing where it's like, can you win this extremely bizarre tournament in this extremely bizarre year? But that sports sometimes is like, well, you know, try and win what's in front of you. Um, and I think um, I think you're right that the spirit. I mean, the courage are like they are laser focused on winning whatever's in front of them. They they just don't care. They're they're there to win. And that's it. Um, I think the spirit. And the dash are in that that same that same space where it's like this is a chance for us to change. You know, it's one thing to say you want to change things in terms of mindset, in terms of culture. It's another thing to actually have that win, to have something and say like we did it. Um, it's not just an idea. It's not just talk. It's something we actually accomplished. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that that's going to be a major major point for the team. Is is not just they're not just there to experiment. Um, if anything, we're not going to see much experimentation. It feels like it seems like we're, we're going to see players that we are more familiar with. Uh, some of the rookies might not see a lot of minutes. Um, 
And that's, you know, that might be different if, if the spirit had, you know, a, a championship sometime in the near, the near past or mm-hmm. um, had made the playoffs last year, it might not be as important to win this year, but you know, it's important for them as, as weird as this whole thing is, it's important for them to do well in this tournament. I, I maybe not from a fan pressure perspective, but inside the locker room, inside the organization, I think it seems pretty clear that they, it's not just talk. It's, it's a genuine desire to do well here. I think that for both the spirit and the dash, it's also important from a recruitment perspective. Uh, James Clarkson of the dash is very open about it. Said, Hey, we, you know, we don't have any national team players and we want some. And the only way that we are going to prove to national team players that this is a good place for them to come to develop and further their careers is by winning some games. Mm-hmm. So we got to win some games. So star players actually want to come play for us. Like you just bluntly said it. And I, I really mm-hmm. respect that he bluntly yeah. said it. Um, I don't think Richie would say anything similar. I also don't think he has to because he already has Rose Lavelle on his team. Yes. But um, this is a, I think the spirit are in a similar situation where like they want to be able to go to a big star player and say, Hey, look at this trophy. We're not screwing around. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, some of that is off the field. Um, it's out of a coach's control, quite frankly. A coach can't control um, improving your venue, um, but they can. I don't know if you can hear the – we're getting literal plex weather uh, on the podcast. <laughs> like, uh, I've got earbuds in, and I'm still very clearly hearing thunder uh, at home, so that's perfect, I think. Um, but, yeah, uh, getting making that pitch um, – hasn't been the easiest for some of the clubs in the league. You know, Portland can always be like, come to Portland, play in front of the Riveters, play with Christine Sinclair. It's great. Um, That's an easy sales pitch to make. Um, If you're the spirit and you, in the past, especially, it's like, you know, the Plex has a great playing surface, uh, but it's out, it's, it's out there. Um, The locker rooms are not anything elegant. You know, the old story goes that, that there used to be, the occasional frog finding its way from um, the nearby Creek into the locker room and players coming in and be like, well, there's a frog in the locker room. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a tough sales pitch to make uh, for the, you know, the world-class players that aren't gifted to you by the allocation process um, or that right. don't. And this, all... is, and this is how North Carolina can attract world-class players. They mm-hmm. don't have, they don't have world-class or poor facilities. They have middle of the road facilities but they can go to star players and say, look at our record it speaks yeah. for itself. You want to, you want to win things, you know, you want to further your career. You want to be a star, come here and you're going to win some trophies. Yeah. And, and that's, um, I, and I, I think if I'm, if I'm thinking of, um, of Richie, uh, with any sort of accuracy, I feel like he would be better selling that than anything else. Um, at, at yeah, just telling a personality. Absolutely. Yeah, at, at telling a player like we want to come here and and lift a trophy, um, that is going to be and and the difference between someone saying they want to lift a trophy because like we talked about this earlier, um, every coach wants to lift a trophy just like every coach wants to play really good soccer, um, but getting actually doing it, it changes things quite a bit and uh, you know if the spirit can walk away from this thing having lifted whatever this new Challenge Cup trophy is going to look like, it's I assume not going to be quite as bizarre as the current uh, <laughs> NWSL championship trophy um, that 
uh, has maybe maybe one in every like hundred people it, it would endorse. Um, it's the worst trophy. <laughs> I, I think they should keep it forever. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, if they if they get their hands on it, it changes things so much. Um, and I think they're in a position where they could go after those international players. I'm actually stumbling into a good transition. Um, yes. Before we wrap up, they got a, a big international player. They got Kumi Yokoyama to come over uh, from uh, Nagano. Um, I know I've, I've talked about her on the Spirits podcast. I know you're dying to talk about her as well. Yeah, um, it sounds like everybody just loves playing with her, right? Which you can probably guess from having watched her playing with, with Japan, that she's... Um, you know, she's a forward and she scored quite a few goals and she's a, a you know, a, a good striker, but she's an unselfish one. She's a, a great combination player and she's just as much of a of a playmaker as she is a scorer. And uh, I imagine uh, Ashley Hatch has got to be like, oh, my God, thank you. Finally, <laughs> um, because, you know, she hasn't she hasn't had that yet. Like Crystal Thomas played really well last season, mm-hmm. but. But Crystal Thomas isn't a playmaker. She's like a defensive forward. She's a she's an elite presser. Um, she's not, you know, she's not Yokoyama. She's not going to be a playmaker. Um, and Rose Lavelle was only available for six games last right. season and was like kind of working into fitness for most of them. So Hatch hasn't really had that supply or that like player to combine with. And she's finally got that with with Kumi. And um I, I feel like people who aren't terribly familiar with her are going to fall in love with her pretty quickly. Yeah. There's a, I think when they announced her signing, I tried to tweet out the, um, I think it was with the U twenties at the U 20 world cup when she was playing for Japan's U twenties in like 2011. Um, she scored a goal where she dribbled past like seven, I think it was seven players <laughs> in the process of putting it away. Um, it was just one of these plays where it, it wasn't a long run distance wise. It was, she got the ball like 25 yards from goal and she was surrounded by people and she just kept getting out of these like, Oh, she's de- you're looking at it. You're like, Oh, she's definitely gonna lose the ball. It's one on four. And then she gets out of it. And it's like, Oh, well, well she's kind of walked herself into an alley here. And then she gets out of that. And it's like, Oh, you know, but the center back is about to make the tackle. And then she like dances out of that. Um, and it's, that's the kind of, you know, that invention it's not just technical skill it's it's the mindset and the audacity to do some of the stuff that she does um that i think is really going to open things up for hatch in a way that you know you know like you said thomas yeah there's sort of her and hatch don't play the same way but it's sort of in um it's not necessarily a natural partnership between the two of them the the way they both want to play um the fact that yokoyama wants to dip off the line um, get into some half spaces and play make that way. Um, I think that's the kind of, I think she would also benefit, you know, for the games that hatch, cause we can't assume that hatch is going to just play 90 throughout this tournament. Um, you know, Thomas also might be nursing an injury, so we don't know how much she's going to play, but if she does, um, I think she also will benefit playing alongside Yokoyama. I think it's the right type of player for just about everyone that could play up top for the spirit. It's the right kind of partner for all of them. Right. Um, I, I do wonder, like, I don't think she's necessarily the right type of partner for uh, Ashley Sanchez. I don't think we'll mm-hmm. see the two of them play together in a, in a two, like if they play in the same team, it's going to, it's going to mean that um, 
they've changed formation probably to something with the back four. Um, but uh, everyone else, I think that's absolutely the case for. Yeah, I think I, I think that that's a good point. I, I keep thinking of Hatch or not Hatch uh, Sanchez as a winger who might play a little bit of the ten because uh, back on draft day, um, that was something that Richie brought up was the prospect of playing her underneath a lot like he did with uh, Mal Pugh last year, where there were games where they'd play four three three and it wasn't really working, and they would bring Pugh into the middle and play her under the two forwards, um, and they started having more success in those games. And and on draft day, that was something that was in his mind. Um, but, you know, draft day was an eternity ago. Um, I think that's also more of a long-term project. Mm-hmm. Like Sanchez, I think, has the ability to do that, but she doesn't play the early pass often enough. She She's an elite dribbler, and, like, I don't think her vision is bad. I think she just, like, wants to beat people off the dribble. Mm-hmm. She just, like, loves doing it. And um, if you play, I think if you play as a, as a 10, you've got to be willing to make an early pass way more often than she is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh I am interested, you know, we're we're running we're running out of time because we we did this right before Richie's uh press con or press conference conference call is going to happen. We don't have press conferences in 2020. Um but before we go, um what do you think of uh you know, Sanchez is probably going to get minutes, but she might not be necessarily a starter in every one of these games. Right. Um I and I think Richie just wants to get her those minutes, just like mm-hmm. get her used to pro ball, to the speed, to the physicality, so that like when she, when she's getting preparing for next season, she has a reference point. Like she knows what she has to get better at, and that's something I found like consistent talking to coaches around the league is they have players who their rookie season they either don't play at all or they make a few sub appearances, mm-hmm. and the the coach knew that when they drafted them, like hey, this player is not going to make an impact at all their first season. They just need to kind of get the crap beat out of them for a year, <laughs> mm-hmm. learn what that's like, get a mental picture of like, okay, what do, what am I lacking? What do I need to improve? And then they come into training camp for year two way more ready. And I think that's that's definitely going to be the case with Sanchez. Um, she, I mean, she might be a little more ready to play than that. She might, you know, actually be able to get some goals and assists, but I don't think anybody should be concerned if she comes in, she doesn't look up to it or if she doesn't play a lot of minutes because for her, this is just like learning what pro speed is like. And um, I think come next March, April, uh, she's going to look like a lot better player than she does this month. That Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and maybe she has to be more of a, um, like a wild card uh, for the spirit uh, because the formation we talked about, it's kind of clear who the first choice players are going to be. He, Burke isn't going to play her out as a right wing back. Um, that's going to be Jenna Hellstrom. Um, and it's not going to be a situation where Yokoyama isn't, isn't playing. Um, so, you know, she, she's going to be someone coming in and, and, you know, we're not going to have time to talk about it very much, but um the this tournament's gonna be played under the the new IFAB rules that are temporarily in place right now, which include having five subs. And we could see um, Richie strikes me as someone that's going to be proactive about that and not be the coach that waits till the 80th minute to make all five subs because that is silly. Um, some Premier League coaches uh, that have been making me pull my hair out could learn a lesson or two from that. Um, we could see her get thrown in, especially if a game is kind of 
not really going anywhere. Um, I'm thinking of games like last year's games against the Dash, for example, um, were pretty uneventful all three times the dash played the spirit were just very bland games where the the dash made sure nothing really happened um that's you know you mentioned her wanting to beat people in the dribble all the time um putting a player like that in a game where nothing's really happening that can be what breaks the game open um is having a player who just maybe under normal circumstances has too much of a um narrow focus on doing one thing um when that one thing is beating people off the dribble, that can be the thing that breaks open uh, an otherwise organized defense. So um, her role could be, and it could end up being crucial because, you know, the way this tournament is set up, the winning that game against the dash, for example, that could be the difference between playing the courage or playing um, whoever comes in second, for example, if it's not the spirit, um, it could be the difference between playing them or playing someone that you should be able to beat. Um, you know, these games are going to be very strange because it's like one play from, you know, like a group stage in the World Cup. One play can be the difference between actually getting into a great spot or having a real challenge on your hand in the quarterfinals. Yeah, uh, getting the two seeds so you don't have to play Carolina in the semifinal would be uh, extremely important. <laughs> yeah, no, I... You know, the Spirit are going to play the Courage at least once in this tournament. I don't think they want to see them again until the final, if they can have it their way. I think that's um, how every team feels. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every team is like, let's let's put that off as long as we can, um, which makes perfect sense because they're the Courage. They're, uh, they're on another level from everyone else. Um, I guess we should probably wrap it up because we have very little time before we have to... Yeah, because we have to go talk to Richie ball. in five minutes. Um, so this has been our first episode. Uh, we will have more information. We're literally recording this before I've even firmed up our hosting, but we're going to host <laughs> the, the show on uh, Pinecast. Um, we'll tweet out more information. Follow us on Twitter at uh, uh, PlexWeather, all one word. Um, let us know what you want. Let us know what you liked and didn't like because we didn't really plan this one out very much. Um, you know, give us suggestions. We're all ears. And, uh, you know, we if your suggestion isn't something we like, we might not listen to you, but we'll, right, we we'll, might just ignore you. Yeah. We'll, we'll hear you out. We might not act on it. Um, we won't ignore you, but we will maybe not act on it, but you know, it can't hurt for you to, to tell us if you want something out of the show, let us know. We'll, we'll consider it for real. Um, we will read every reply. We will not yes. necessarily acknowledge every reply. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, but uh, it's going to be an adventure. We're going to have, players coaches we're going to reach out to other people that are like us that are in the local markets uh that know their teams very well uh we don't we're not going to spend any time bringing you the people that don't really pay that much attention to their local nwsl team we want the nerds to be talking about their team that's that's going to be right up our alley i think yeah this um, is a nerd show also check out uh, uh nwsl news who we're going to be partnering with because they host uh some other fantastic independent shows i think they've got uh dash thorns and uh, red stars at the moment and uh, i'm sure they will be adding more in the future uh run by the the wonderful john halloran and uh just some fantastic people fantastic shows yeah uh follow them uh at nwsl news all one word uh we're, we're doing a good job with keeping it very easy to follow people on twitter and not have to remember where the underscore is or, or all that stuff <laughs> um so that's that's a that's a win in my book and I guess we should probably end before we uh, have to take an L at some point. Uh, this has been Plex Weather. 
see you whenever we do the next one. We don't know when that is. Thanks for listening, everybody.